Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Wrapping up, take command with Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And Logan, it's time to talk money. Dollar, dollar bills, many millions of dollar, dollar bills. The NFL salary cap is rising $30.6 million to $255.4 million, which is a 13.6% salary cap increase. That is the largest in NFL history. Now, the commanders were already in great cap shape, uh, but now, thanks to this this cap uh, situation, so are some other teams. Does this help or hurt the commanders being the team with the most salary cap space considering that, uh, you know, the cap is, is going up in a major way for everybody more than anybody had planned for? Yeah, at first I was like, I don't think it really affects what they do. You know, when you first brought this segment up, I was like, it doesn't really affect anything. Um, It gives them more money, gives them more opportunity to spend stuff. Uh, But I think I come back to this idea that like, if there's better teams offering similar contracts, and now they have the money and opportunity to do that, I think it might hurt them. Like if I'm a if I'm a Jadavian Clowney, just as an example, now the market might have been very limited in terms of what I was looking for from a contract standpoint. And now it's expanded by four, five, six teams that can now pay me what I want. And I maybe the situation there is uh, from a winning, um, from a tradition of winning standpoint or recent winning standpoint is better to w- more conducive to what I'm looking for. So I think that probably does hurt them to a certain extent, but ultimately like they have a lot of money to spend, right? They have a lot of money to spend on stuff. And I think that, you know, ultimately if you can write big checks, people are going to come play here. So. Yeah. I do think that like watch the, the days of paying the Washington tax are over, it is over like, yeah. you know, that's that's great. Um, this is a great year to have a lot of money for them. People are excited about this organization. You know, Adam's got such a great uh, reputation, but also great relationships with so many agents that he's worked with well in San Francisco over the years. Dan is so well respected. You know, I think there's definitely certain position groups, especially that are going to want to play for Cliff or Joe Witt. So like, there's a lot of great stuff. Unfortunately, though, it does cloud the market. Like you would, you are much more helped by this news if you are a team that was cash strapped than you are if you're a team that's cash flush. And one example that I saw a lot of people using was the New York Giants. They signed Daniel Jones to that big contract last year. That first big money number hits this year, and it doesn't hurt them very much because right. the cap is so much bigger than they anticipated at the time. So now instead of being squeezed, by him, they could go draft a quarterback and not really feel that bad about him, J- Jones being the backup or having right. both guys on the roster. Or, you know, if they stick with Jones, can they go spend money on an offensive lineman where they otherwise wouldn't have and be competitive in a market that that they otherwise wouldn't? So 
obviously, if you were a team that was being able to uh, thought like, oh, we'd be able to sign seven players in free agency, like Washington with all the cap money that you have. Now each one of those players becomes a little bit more expensive, maybe only mm-hmm. gets six and you got to pay a little bit more for all of them. It costs you a starter. It costs you, you know, a key backup. It costs you a key special teams guy. Like I definitely think that even though they will have more money than everyone else, still um, the fact that some teams, one, probably will keep players they might have otherwise had to cut mm-hmm. uh, because they're cash strapped and two, the ability to add players when they otherwise wouldn't have is is going to be... Um, detrimental to Washington, maybe not any super significant way, but it certainly is is worse than better. I think from the commander's perspective. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think that's exactly right the way you articulated that, which is great. I just, yeah, it, it just makes it more competitive, right? More people can spend money. Guys you thought were going to be available aren't going to be available, and that's always challenging. But I ultimately think having a lot of money is a good thing, and I think it's also just important, just from like a tangential thought process to to kind of keep in mind here is like how aggressive. Do we expect Adam to be in this, Adam and Dan to be in this free agent market? Maybe they weren't planning on being overly aggressive, so then it doesn't really affect them that much. Maybe they want to, you know, re-sign Kendall, re-sign Cam, and then, you know, make some kind of minor free agency moves and kind of save that money for later on. And maybe that's kind of what they're looking at. I have no idea. But if, if that's the approach, then the effect would be very minimal because they're not looking to make big splashes, big winners now. You always go back to that quote, you know, it's easy to get to eight and eight. It's hard to kind of create a, a long winner. And so making sure you have the right guys in the building, the right people around your organization is probably going to be a bigger priority here. And so maybe they weren't going to be overly spendy in this in this, uh, this free agency cycle anyway. So, Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So when we think of those incumbents, um, like I just kind of, I don't want to say struggle with, but I just wonder conceptually how teams think about this. Like it's one thing if you're bringing a guy back in the same exact role, same coaching staff, whatever. But because Cam Curl and Kendall Fuller wore Washington jerseys last year, is there any benefit to signing them back when the coaching staff and the scheme is going to be different? Well, I think there are versus people another the, free agent at the same position. Yeah, I think there are people in the building that know them and can vouch for them in a way that a lot of these coaches couldn't or wouldn't be able to kind of understand. And that's always really, really important when bringing in a free agent, I think, or at least that's been my experience. You want to have someone that you can trust that understands your expectations. And I think having people, again, scouts, front office people, you know, Marty uh, Martin is still in there kind of doing his thing. And so he can be like, oh, yeah, Cam did this really well for us. And he fits this role for you really well. And he's a great leader in the locker room. He can really get that messaging across for you. I think it's awesome because like I was signed to teams because the assistant special teams coach coached me when I was in Washington. Like, you know, what I'm saying like that relationship, just having someone to vouch for you is super important. So I do think it's I do think it can be helpful just to kind of provide some continuity. But like in the case of Dan, you know, if there's a couple guys leaving or in the case of Adam as well, if guys are leaving San Fran, guys are leaving Dallas and you would prefer them, I think they're going to go with the guy that they really know intimately as opposed to the guy that's being vouched for secondhand. So I think there are advantages in terms of, again, the continuity, kind of understanding the type of guy you have and what they do well. Because, again, it's not like it's a complete departure from 
from the people in the building last year, but it definitely isn't the same or as significant as if all the coaches had stayed here last year. Right. Cause I just, I just think about evaluating for whatever systems they are building on both sides of the ball. And it's like, if Antonio Gibson is the best fit for what you need out of a running back, go sign him. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this great. is the benefit of having extra cap space. Like go have a luxury of a running back. If Kendall Fuller by the same token, or, you know, you're looking for a veteran leader in the cornerback room and you look at the list of guys available and it just so happens to be that Kendall's the best guy. Like I have no problem with them bringing uh, that guy back in. Um, I just, I just wouldn't bias myself towards that. And I think that's what the staff has already done in some mm -hmm. ways um, with the coaching staff. Uh, I know John talked about this on his pod that like Tavita basically re-interviewed for his job while they never mm -hmm. officially let him go. They actually re-signed the guy, the coaches that are staying to new contracts that match everyone else's contract. So it's not like, Hey, you're just retained. Like, cool. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're not here. Okay. Let's interview you. Like you're not mm -hmm. here. Okay. Congrats. You're back here. Hope you didn't move out of your house. Uh, because they thought that Tavita Pritchard for quarterbacks coach was the best guy for the job and that, that the other coaches and scouts and everyone who stayed are the best guys for the job. So um, if that's the case, then then fine. But I think at the point where you're not having the continuity of scheme, I mean, obviously, I, I do think realistically there's a continuity in communication, which I mean, that's secondary last year wasn't exactly positive. Mm -hmm. uh, but theoretically, you have a continuity of communication. Kendall has talked to Cam, has talked to Forrest, has talked to Forbes, has talked to Quan before. They understand each other in, in some ways, even if they're going to have to do it through a different scheme. But that wouldn't override anything else or you know other potential factors to me so I, I just i was curious how teams think of that uh when a new staff and a new group takes over and you have free agents um even guys like kendall who have been around for a long time and are valued members of the locker room yeah no i, I totally agree and again it's it's you know back to your original question it doesn't it doesn't help but it's probably there are there are some advantages like like you were pointing out there so i think that's just important to keep in mind like the NFL is a, per, a, a interrelationship business and you have a relationship already with some people there they can help you out so and again like I like I've said this before I do think that um Cam and Kendall both have skills that fit that defensive perspective so if yeah. the number's right like you said and you like what they do like I think that might work out it but it depends on their evaluation the coach's evaluation and how they how they view those players and how they they view that fit so and and i guess the other reason i bring that up too is because you know we talk about are they going to be a quote unquote aggressive in free agency and it's like well, they go out and spend a significant chunk of money on guys that just happened to wear their jersey last year like they still spent that money yeah and so you know i, I i'm curious how it all works out because they there is a salary cap floor. They do have to spend a lot of this money. How yeah. do they spend it, whether it's right. on their own guys or whether they give some guys extensions, whether they, who knows what they could do. Um, but we're starting to get to the time of year where you find out, um, you know, contracts sometimes get done in Indy. Guys get re-signed, restructured, whatever. And then uh, obviously NFL free agency just around the corner. All right, that's it for us for today. Later in the week, we are going to do our annual crossover episode where we talk about training for the combine versus training for football. That'll be our, our train with the best crossover episode this year. Then we have a bunch of, of people lined up as potential guests in Indy. We're just kind of comparing schedules, but some of your favorite, I'll, I'll put it this way. You will hear from some of your favorite draft analysts on this podcast in a very short 
time. So plenty of content to come. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, not only on uh, here uh, in terms of wherever you're listening right now, but if you're someone who wants to watch on YouTube, and then if you're watching right now, reverse it. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see you from Mindy here on Taking